Hello, everyone, and welcome to AC23, your weekly parade through the arts and culture of the Capital Region. My name is Chancellor Zero Skidmore. My producer is Jeremy Porcine. You can stream this episode and previous episode at the Arts Council's website, artsbr.org. You can even go to Apple Podcasts and subscribe to it. Give it five stars. Listen to it whenever and however you like. Springtime is upon us, and I've been overjoyed with what the pollen is doing to my sinuses. I get to start mowing the yard again every week. And who didn't miss the cool insects with stingers that love to share those stingers with innocent bystanders who are simply trying to mow their lawns in peace? On the other hand, we don't have to worry about Baton Rouge becoming Antarctica again. Maybe not until next winter. So I guess I should stop complaining and just snort my pollen and be quiet. Arts Council calendar highlights are right here. Uh, there's a new exhibition in Baton Rouge entitled Evicted. It's a collection of photography, graphic art, film, clips, text, and interactive displays that respond to the extremely common practice of low-income renter eviction. It's breathtakingly unique and urgently informative. The exhibit is from now until May 28th at the Firehouse Gallery. It's located at 427 Laurel Street. That's Evicted, May 28th, until May 28th, at the Firehouse Gallery. The next installment of Jazz Masters Concert Series is on its way. Next up, we have Grammy Award-winning conga genius Poncho Sanchez. It all goes down on April 21st, 7.30 p.m. at the Shaw Center for the Arts. He'll be turning up the heat with his energetic powerhouse band and complex rhythms, They'll have you tapping your feet and dancing in your seat. Tickets are available at artsbr.org. Again, that's Poncho Sanchez, April 21st, 7.30 p.m. at the Shaw Center for the Arts. Lastly, it's National Poetry Month. And Brittany Marshall, the Baton Rouge Poet Laureate, is posting a new poem every day of the month on her Instagram page. I'm joining her in this challenge, and, and so is this week's guest. Brittany's IG is Baton Rouge PL. On Instagram, and mine is 01208. You need some poetry in your life every day, y'all, so get it. All right. This week's guest is a writer and performer from Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. They hold a degree in creative writing and African American studies from Louisiana State University. They are the co host of the Community Connect podcast and author of a collection of poems and essays entitled. Peeling Bandages, which explores love, grief, shame, and growth. Nayir Ransom, welcome to AC23. Hey, Zero. Awesome. So good to have you. I'm excited. Thank you. I was really surprised when you invited me. I feel so special. Well, congrats on the book. Um, thank it's, you. It's, thank it's you. great. And, um, yeah, you read it. It's, it's hard to believe it's your first publication. Um, yeah, um, self-published, you know, did the design for the cover, everything. Like, those are literally my hands on the cover. <laughs> awesome, <laughs> awesome. So you're originally from uh, Philadelphia. What was the circumstance that led you to Baton Rouge? Um, so I'm going to try to make the long story as short as possible. But, you don't um, have to. You know. tell, us, tell us the story. Okay, so um, I was living, I was born in Philly, raised there most of my life. Like, my dad still lives in Philly. Um, and you know, my mom, um, she's a hairstylist, um, and you know, 
in Philly at the time, like the early 2000s, like you couldn't throw a rock and not hit a hairstylist, <laughs> like a beauty salon or a barbershop. So like the market was kind of getting like really saturated. Um, and then we were also kind of dealing with, you know, like the murder suicide of my grandparents. Um, in like 2001, we like moved into their house in Willingboro, New Jersey, and like things just got like really hard to kind of, you know, like keep up. Um, so, yeah. Um, my mom's brother, the one that's right under her, because my mom is like the oldest of five. Mm. Um, you know, so I grew up with a parent who's the oldest of five and an entrepreneur, um, you know, a real kind of like take control kind of person, um, <laughs> you know. Um, so my mom's brother that's like right under her was working with American Airlines and they had transferred him to Baton Rouge a few years ago, mm. like a few years before that. Um, so, you know, he was like, you know, bring the kids, come down here, you know, you'll have like some support and some family and stuff, you know, that they can be around. Cause my mom was thinking about transferring out of the hair industry. Um, she was in nursing school at the time trying mm -hmm. to like do something different. Um, got to Baton Rouge and realized that, you know, the, uh, the market for, you know, sew-ins and lace front wigs <laughs> was popping. Um, so, you know, she came up in this thing and was like. Why am I going, you know, go to nursing school <laughs> when, you know, I can clean up in Baton Rouge <laughs> with oh, the yes. skills that I already have? Oh, yes. Um, so, you know, we uh, packed up and, you know, here we are. I was uh, I was about 11 at the time. So, you know. Lil Nay. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, you were. Yeah. You, you're still pretty tall for your age, I remember. Yeah, you know, <laughs> and I tell people all the time that I'm the short one in my family. Like, I'm 5'10", um, and, like, my mom is 6'1". She has one of her younger brothers is, like, 6'7", 6'4". Like, I, I am the short one in the family. Wow. Um, That's awesome. So you, you come to Baton Rouge, and, uh, you know, for years, Baton Rouge had one of the most prolific youth spoken word poetry scenes in the world. What was it like growing up in the middle of that? Ooh, um, now, once again, here's where we get to a story. Um, one, it was super cool because, you know, like I'd started writing like raps when I was living in like Philly and Jersey because, um, you know, like I grew up late 90s, early 2000s, yeah. you know, with the thing going on with DMX right now. I'm like, wow, my dad used to let me listen to uncensored DMX when I was like six. My mom hated it. <laughs> But, you know, like that kind of influences the things that I listen to and like, you know, right, right. Um, kind of how I engage with words. But, um, you know, when I moved here, somehow I kind of shifted into like poetry. Um, well, the shift into poetry kind of started happening around fifth grade um, when I was still in Jersey. Um, one of my teachers, Miss Blanzola. Um, Shout you out. Know, <laughs> Who you know, she was old, old then. I don't even know if she's still with us. But she, you Let's know. say she is. Let's say but, she is. But, you know, like, shout out to Miss Blanzola had us, you know. Um, she actually had us write poetry books, right? Mm. Um, so, you know, we learned all the different types of poetry when I was in, like, fifth grade. Um, I hated every form poem. When we got to free verse, I was like, this might be me. This is me right here. <laughs> <laughs> this, is, this is my pocket. Um, Which is funny because... In hip-hop, we have these couplets, right? Right. Which is really a fixed form. It's mm. not really free verse because you have to rhyme every other line, right? So right. Anyway, uh -huh. that's that's my interjection. Go you ahead. Know, I mean, and then, no, like, when I got to LSU, like, I actually ended up, like, writing a paper that one of my professors was like, you know, you should really expand this. Because what I did was I took, like, John Keats poems, mm -hmm. right? 
um, and like a common song and I'm like this has the same meter rhyme scheme all wow. of that fun stuff and you know like kind of was trying to basically prove the point yeah um, yeah it's that, a form right and you know like we often don't teach poetry in that way to young people you know like we still want to be like here's some old dead white men um especially <laughs> to you know like young black urban youth and they're like this is ridiculous i don't what is going on here um but you can still teach the same skills just using something they're more familiar with something they can relate to um, yes yes but anyway jumping back to the story um you know then I moved here, was kind of looking for, like, stuff to do and just really kind of started getting into writing poetry because, um, you know, teenage angst is setting in <laughs> and, you know, you need like that outlet. Yeah. Um, and then what really kind of moved me into like spoken word and performance um, was first thing was I can't even remember exactly how it happened. Oh, one of my uh, friends Jacina was like, hey, you want to come to this thing um, on Saturday? I was like, uh, what is this thing? It's just like this performance thing. I was like, all right, sure. Um, and we show up at City at Peace. And who is teaching at City at Peace? No other than Zero Chancellor Skidmore. Hey. Um, so I was like, okay, this is cool. Let's let's explore this. Um, and then I remember we ended up having like this writing workshop um, to kind of try to craft this show that was mm -hmm. supposed to come out of it. Um, and yeah, like I just wrote this poem and I was like probably like 14 or something like that, um, you know, mad young. And I just remember the room being like, well, Jesus Christ, <laughs> <laughs> like, OK, cool. So you wrote that in, you know, 10 minutes. Um, and I was like, okay, I might be kind of good at this. Cool. Great. <laughs> um, and then Zero invites me to Fresh Heat. Um, oh, and yeah. that was when, look, Fresh Heat, like you had to get there like 20, 30 minutes early to be able to get on the mic. The list was insane. Um, I didn't get a chance to perform, but like I was introduced to like Sonny Patterson and I was like, oh, this is man. the world that I want to be in. Um, yeah. following that up, I... You know, in the summers, I used to just kind of like sit in the living room um, on the floor because that's where we had, you know, the good cable was in the living room. Um, you know, back in the gap, you know, your mama's room and the living room is the only ones that had all the channels. <laughs> you had basic in your room, but, you know, <laughs> um, so I was like watching, you know, HBO just going through the channel guide. And I was like, huh, what is this Brave New Voices? Um, and then, yeah, Brave New Voices kind of, like, sparked everything. Um, I tell people all the time, I'm like, y'all, I manifested Brave New Voices. I came home and called Big Buddy one day, like, how do I get on this Brave New Voices theme? Well, and, and for those listening, Brave New Voices <laughs> was the uh, national poetry slam uh, competition for youth. And um, and HBO had done uh, a documentary on it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So, you know, because, you know, I was, like, one of the only kids in my school. I was like, man, this is... This is whack, but I like it, you know, because <laughs> nobody was writing poetry in my school. Um, so to see uh, a documentary on HBO uh, about this art form that intrigued you, and then you get there eventually, right? Right. Like, you know, it was my senior year of high school, um, and I fought this like I was recruiting kids into this creative writing program I I, I recruited the teachers um, <laughs> you know Kathy Lucas was at Broadmoor and she was like you know 
uh, yeah, there used to be a creative writing club here. I was like, will you start this again? <laughs> I was in like 11th grade. She was like, you know, I just need another teacher to sponsor. I was like, all right, Alex Hardroder, you doing this right? <laughs> and, you know, they really made it shake. I recruited all of my friends. I was like, we are doing this. Because you need a team. Right, because you need a whole team. <laughs> to get there, right. Right. So it, it, it was, uh, I think, um, very. that part of it is very powerful. It. it it pulls people in uh, uh, against their own will sometimes, but uh, I you, mean, you coerce some people to, to go on that journey with you. Right? I didn't necessarily coerce because, like, these are people who were already like writing, um, who like wrote raps, like um, theater, Aaron, theater kids. Um, there weren't many theater kids at Broadmoor, but oh, <laughs> you I know, but they were already doing, you know, like some form of poetry writing as an outlet, um, like. Aaron McNeil, he ended up winning like uh what was it the MC uh MC Olympics that year, uh, yeah. um from Broadmoor right, um because these are just things that the people that I was around were already engaged in. Right. Um, right. So we would we would have regular slams here in Baton Rouge. All that would lead up to the All City Poetry Slam, which was uh, you know it was All City for Baton Rouge. And mm-hmm. then we would take young people from there to the Brave New Voices National Competition, and so. Just for our listeners, uh, uh, these things that Nate are, are referencing. <laughs> My bad, because, yeah, you yeah, know, yeah. to me it's just like, you know, this was the world that I was in. So, yeah. you know, all of this language is just, you know, kind of embedded in me. Um, yeah. you well, know. What, what did all that do for you as a teenager? How do you, uh, how do you think that, that helped you or hurt you as, a, as a, a teenager trying to make it through life? Well, there's some pluses and minuses. Because, um, one, I think as a teenager, like, you know— I was introduced to the idea of like safe spaces through, Mm -hmm. you know, spoken word and performance and, you know, like really kind of understanding what that means. Um, And then also, you know, when we uh, when we think about like the fact that we, you know, don't live like that in the real world, like you get used to, you know, kind of being in, like, this authentically democratic space, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, Where, you know, we go to Fresh Heat and, you know, you everybody has an opportunity to get on the mic. Yeah. And, you know, you And everybody listens. Right. Like, and you really learn how to, like, listen and, like, have dialogue with people and communicate and, you know, all of these things that you go back to your home, you know, with your parents who may not have those skills or, you know, you engage with teachers and you be like, you you really are a teacher just to, you know, force your trauma on somebody else. Um, and, you know, like, and you learn how to identify these things as yeah. a young person. Well, that's right. But then but. on the flip side, it's really frustrating <laughs> When you, like, are trying to exist in this way all the time, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, you, you, you you hit against that brick wall. Right. As soon as you leave the space, as it's like. As, it's almost like the day you age out, it's like, well, that's gone. <laughs> it's like, that was cute when you were a kid, but the real world don't work like that. Yeah. And that's kind of the thing that I that I think keeps drawing me back to, like, you know, education, teaching, writing, performance. You want to give it back. You know, not even just that. It's kind of like if there's more of me and people like you and other artists in the world, then it's like, why can't this exist? Yeah. Right? You know? And you kind of see it now even more in, like, politics and organizing and stuff like that. Like, you know, 
um, I'm kind of an AOC for president kind of person, you know, because <laughs> yeah. I'm like, because she, she tells her story, right? That's what it's all and about. And people forget how powerful telling your story is. So while we're, while we're on that subject, uh, you entitled your book Peeling Bandages. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, a lot of these poems are part of your story. Um, what is the title in reference to? Um, okay, so I chose the title Peeling Bandages, and this book has been in my head for, like, almost a decade. Mm-hmm. Um, right after, you know, like, James Briggs passed away, I was like, like, this, 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 this book was, like, in my brain. And James was uh, one of the young people in our program back in the day. Yeah. And, um, Died on uh, 4th of July. 4th of July, 2013. Yeah. yeah. Um, and, you know, he and I kind of ran in, you know, a pretty close-knit circle. Mm-hmm. Um and, you know, I was really experiencing grief in a way that I hadn't before because, mm-hmm. um, you know, like one of the biggest tragedies in my life happened when I was like eight years old, you know, the murder suicide of my grandparents. Yeah. And, you know, you're not really taught how to process grief that mm-hmm. young when mm-hmm. other people are grieving extremely deeply around you. Yeah. Um, and like James kind of opened that up a lot for me. Mm-hmm. Um, so peeling bandages is kind of like, you know, when, you know, when the grief is over, when, you know, when scars, when, when wounds heal, right. You know, yeah. eventually, you know, you take the bandage off, you still got scars, you may have, you know, some residue from that experience. But at the end of the day, you know, like you're not bleeding out anymore, um, yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. so peeling bandages is about like, you know, just kind of removing the the symbol of like, you know, still being wounded um, mm-hmm. and, you know, kind of you know, taking off, you know, whatever it was that was, you know, the process or that helped you heal, Mm -hmm. right? And not, like, leaning on those things that helped you heal Um, and, you know, kind of stepping out as, you know, this full person again. Oh, yeah, Um, yeah. Well, um, can we hear uh, a poem from Peeling Bandages? Sure, absolutely. Um, and I decided to do this because one, this poem has been in the works for years as well. Um, so, you know, it's an ode to the man sitting across from me. Um, <laughs> look, and did this for Toy recently. Shout out to Toy, the poetic beauty. Oh, yeah. Um, and she was like, you could have stopped at the title. <laughs> so the title is Ground Zero. That was a compliment, right? Yeah. She was like, yo, the, the total, the, the title is A1. Um, and it's called Ground Zero. All right. Um. So, yeah. You told me to use more concrete language, and I started writing research papers. I know that isn't what you meant, but I'm an overachiever. And I can't think of any other forms that pour words into slabs quite like MLA, APA, and Chicago. We've both been poetrying again. Your reentry has been a lot more graceful than mine, probably because I've had to degentrify my tongue which is not to self-deprecate, but to acknowledge that I once believed I had to kill the poet to birth the scholar. Like the rest of the world, I'm burning down businesses, renaming streets, tearing down monuments, returning this breath to its rightful owner, and it started with you, reminding me how to stand on solid ground. You are a staple on my gratitude list. Poor, righteous teacher, I learned more than crafting metaphors from you. I learned truth-telling. I learned mistake-making, 
I learned revision saves lives and poems. I learned you can't revise if you never had a rough draft, a bad night, a long day, and someone to say, hey, some stuff just doesn't go your way, and that's okay. And sometimes it's not okay, and that's okay too. And sometimes life is a run-on sentence we both can't wait and never want to escape, and that's the paradox, kid. You've got to roll with it. But look around. You got people more bond than blood and more blood than birth, so you always have a reason to celebrate through dearth and mirth. They often coexist if you're grateful for the simple things and stay humble and keep moving and remain open to all the fears and possibilities because those are the things that make this crazy ride worth it. And you can't have none of those things without other people, so it stands to reason that we need each other. That's how we all got here in the first place. That's how we get anywhere worth going. So keep writing and marry an editor. That's the only way to survive. You'll never have enough time to write down all the stories you've got, especially if you're busy living. In the beginning, there was the word. Ain't that what the church folks say? So start there with the only thing you got when all else fails. Pick up your pen and push forward, kid. Ah. <clears throat> <laughs> Oh, nay. So, yeah, that was, you Oh, know, man. That was for zero, man. <laughs> <sighs> okay. That baby trying not to cry on me across <laughs> this table. <laughs> Those were some amazing times. Uh, it just, you know, it took me back to just a beautiful time that we were lucky enough to exist in the same space together and, and learn from each other so much. Uh, I, I I sucked so bad at teaching back then. <laughs> and thank you for not holding all of those mistakes against me. And thank oh. you for that poem. It's beautiful. Nah, you were exactly what I needed when I needed it. So, Man. you know. Um. Well, I don't know where the time went. Uh, <laughs> you know, it's it's like having family on the show. It's like, you know, I forget that we're, we got a time schedule to keep. So. Please tell our listeners where they can purchase peeling bandages and uh, and also check out your other content online. All right. So um, peeling bandages is available on Amazon. Um, it's not the first thing that comes up when you type in peeling bandages. But, you know, if you type in my name, N-A-Y-Y-I-R-R-A-N-S-O-M-E, then uh, you can find it. Um, and also you can find me on Instagram at Nayir Ransom, N-A-Y-Y-I-R-R-A-N-S-O-M-E. Um, and also I have a Wonder Pen Powers page where I put, you know, like my random doodles and scribblings. Um, so, yeah, those are kind of the places that you can find me. Also, Community Connect BR is the podcast that I run with my mother and I. All right. Well, thank you so much for coming on the show, Nay. No problem. Thank um, you so much for asking. I'm gonna bring you me. back when we got more time. <laughs> awesome. Go read some of those poems, y'all. Thank you for tuning in. This is Chancellor Zero Skidmore signing off. I'll see y'all at the show. Peace.